0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. We have a series starting uh, today called "Live No Lies," and uh, it's loosely based on this book, uh, "Live No Lies" by John Mark Comer. And it's been a healthy book that we've been reading the last few weeks. Um, we by m- meaning me and my dad, we have to <laughs> preach this, so we've been reading it. And, uh, and uh, it's all about recognizing the, the three enemies that steal our peace, which is the devil, uh, the flesh, and the world. And uh, it's just been a helpful uh, book, uh, just sort of putting words to some things that we've been feeling and some things that we've, been, we've really been wanting to lean in in this fall semester. So I'd encourage you, if you, if you want, grab a, a copy of this. It's been a helpful book. You can grab them on Amazon or Whatever, wherever books are sold, I don't know. Like, does chapters still? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, but you can get a book, anyways. Um, I'm like, just chapters still sell books. You walk in there, it's just like candles and like <laughs> st- stuffy, fluffy socks and stuff. Okay, um, but uh, we're gonna start that today, and so t- today um, is is gonna be. We're gonna start with the devil. And you're like, oh good, I came to church, we're gonna preach about the devil today, great. Also, I actually saw someone um, in a coffee shop this week and they were like, oh, you're writing your message. Like, what's it on? And I was like, "Uh, the devil? And like, it was a little awkward with them. They're like, okay, definitely gonna watch online this week. Um, But uh, yeah, Um, we're gonna talk this week a little bit about the devil. and, And next week we're gonna talk about the language of the devil. And, and how he speaks to us and the Bible calls him the father of lies, and so how he uses lies, and we wanna live no lies. Um, but how often um, do you think about the devil? Like, should the devil even ever cross our minds as believers? Um, should we think about his plans every day so that we're aware of them? I know growing up, I, there were, people will often talk about the devil. They would say things like, that's the devil's music. Um, you ever, has somebody ever said that to you about your music? For me, growing up, when I was in junior high, people said it about a band that you may or may not have heard of called Limp Biscuit. You Gen Zers are like, what did he just say? Um, And it was, people would call it, that's the devil's music. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe in the 70s, uh, I heard people would say, ACDC, the devil's music. Uh, If you play it backwards, the devil would try and, they would have like demonic things that they would say to you. And I tried it on my parents' record player, it did not work. It broke the record player. Um, they're like, that was the devil, you idiot. What are you doing? Um, uh, but uh, some people say, oh, you go trick-or-treating. You're part of the devil's day. Um, but there is no devil's day. And as fact, in fact, as Christians, we sanitize everything. Um, and, and we can turn anything uh, back to God. And, and even a building like this that was built to sell Chevrolets, Um <laughs> You know, regardless of your views of Chevrolets, this this place wasn't built to honor God. But as Christians, we came in and we sanitized it and and we, you know, we we turned it back to God. And uh, Christians, we can do that with anything. And we have done that with many holidays that you look into it and whatever. Um, But if we're not careful, we we develop a thinking in us that uh, the devil is this like boogeyman, this big being that we need to be afraid of. And we often build him up too much in our minds. And we end up giving him way more respect than he deserves. Or we go in the opposite direction, which many people in my generation did. They heard their parents talk about Limp Bizkit's the devil or whatever the band of choice was, Nirvana or, or whatever, um, which is not the devil's music, anyway. but it, it's a semantic. Um So then what happens is we start to go, I don't believe that. And we start to sort of, no, I, that's, not, that's not true. And there is error in that thinking. And so we go in the opposite direction and think, there, oh, the devil can't do anything. The devil has no impact on anyone's life and he can't do anything. It's, you know, it's just God. And, and we just, as long as we love God, the devil's never going to do anything, never going to hurt us and, and nothing's gonna, ever going to, bad is going to happen. Don't worry about it. But C.S. Lewis gave us a really, just, I, I just believe this is like a really clear picture of the dysfunctions in our thought life about the devil. At the start of his book, Screwtape Letters, which if you haven't read any work by C.S. Lewis, I would encourage you, read his work. It's just phenomenal. This book, uh, Screwtape Letters, you'll, you'll read it. And even if you're not a reader, people say, I'm not a reader, I'm not gonna read that. If you pick up Screwtape Letters, you will rip through it. It is such a well-written book and just gives us such a clear way of thinking. And it's actually just, a. it's written really fun too. It's kind of odd. And, Take it a step further. And I don't encourage this often because it, it doesn't work that well, but grab an audiobook of it. And the reading that this reader does on the audiobook is wonderful. And it just helps you sort of develop a bit of a theology about the devil. But he starts the book with this. Okay, enough, Joel, move on. Okay. It starts the book with this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Oh, interesting. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors. Look at that. Equally pleased with both errors. And hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Both of these areas are lies. And later on in the book, C.S. says it this way. I love this. He says, all extremes except extreme devotion to God are encouraged by the devil. So if, if you can get into an extreme thinking, a very extreme thinking about even like politics or some other belief, if you can just get you into some other extreme except extreme devotion to God, what's happened? He, he can start to work in your life that way. Get you extremely devoted to anything but God. He can start to work in your life. So today uh, I, I wanna talk about what the, what the Bible tells us about the devil. If I could just give you five truths about the devil and what to do about them today. Five truths about the devil and what to do about them. Okay, first truth about the devil is the devil wants to destroy your faith. Okay, the, the, the reason the devil wants to destroy your faith is he understands how powerful our faith is in our walk with God. He understands the, the power of faith. And so he wants to destroy your faith. And in, in 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. So how do we resist him? Do we just, uh, Standing firm in the faith. That's how we resist them. Standing firm in the faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So uh, that that wording is interesting. Someone to devour. And as C.S. mentions, the devil would love to have uh, have you think that he can't harm you. Why? Because he's looking for someone to devour. And so if you think he can't hurt you, your defenses come down and that's where he can start to have his way. And so then we will go around with minimal protection. But what does um, Peter tell us here? He says to be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. So pay attention. But he doesn't tell us to be afraid. He doesn't say, oh, fear the devil. He's this big, scary being. No, he just says, pay attention. Like look at, and just make sure you have your, your eyes open. You don't have to be afraid, but just be. could you just be on alert for it? The devil, it translated in the Greek, it translates to the word the slanderer, the slanderer. Oh, this is interesting. So we don't, we don't wanna be used by the devil. We, we wanna be used by God. And so we gotta know, okay, what does the devil do? What's, what's, what's his role? The devil will slander God to men or to women. The, the, the devil will slander God to you. When he slanders God, though, who else is he slandering at the same time? you. You're made in the image of God. And so what's the devil do? As he slanders God, as he makes you, you know, says things about, oh, you can't trust God. He's also slandering you. He's also tearing you down in the same time. And and he'll use things like past mistakes to do this. He'll say, remember when that happened? Oh, remember when you messed up this way? Remember when that situation went sideways? Remember when you, you messed up in, your, in your, your walk with God? You messed up in obeying God? Right? He, he slanders you and he slanders God. He, said, he says things like, remember what God did last time? You were praying and praying and praying, God did nothing. You prayed for that person, God didn't heal them. You prayed for the finances to come for that situation, God didn't, but God didn't come through for you. So he slanders God to you, even though we don't know what God was doing. We don't know the bigger plan that God was trying to bring forth. We don't know how God was maybe protecting us by not answering our foolish prayer, right? We we don't know. He wants us to build a theology based on bad experience. And so How do we, as as Christians, how do we build theology? Well, when when we're looking at sort of truths to communicate to people or trying to figure out stuff that's confusing in the Bible, we wanna get as many examples as possible uh, to build, like this song said, a firm foundation for theology. Okay, and so that's how we we wanna build, have all these examples of how to build theology and how did God speak in the Old Testament, New Testament, what did Jesus say? What did Paul say? How do we build a, a theology for this thing? And what the devil wants you to do is he doesn't want you to build a theology based on the word of God. He wants you to build a theology on lies. He wants you to base, build a theology based on experience. Oh, that sucked last time. Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. That, that, maybe that was just for the people you know, at the start of the early church, not the whole church for the rest of, of eternity. He wants you to build a theology based on one bad experience. He wants to test your faith, not to build your faith, but so that you would lose your faith. He wants to destroy your faith. So how do we build our faith? Well, obviously we need scripture but if you want, you want to build your faith, you need to also build it not just on scripture, but on good experiences in your life. You need to put yourself in situations where you have to trust God, where, where you're, not, you're not necessarily testing God. You're just saying, I have faith for more. I have faith that God will come through. I have faith. And, and so you just have to put yourself in situations and, and look at the scriptures on healing, whatever you need faith for, healing, miracle, forgiveness, mercy, whatever you need faith for, you need to put yourself in situations so that God can actually build your faith and come through for you. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Are you getting it? You know, I think it's, it's, sometimes it's scary, um, you know, to pray for someone. You hear somebody talking about uh, some, you know, situation that's going on in your life. You say, oh, I'll pray for you, pray for you, you know? But it's like, we gotta put ourselves in a situation where God has to come through. Like, can I pray for you right now? Can I, can I just pray for you and, and, and be okay with looking like an idiot if nothing happens? You don't have to explain away anything. Just say, have enough faith to say, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna pray for you in this moment. Stand on these promises. And when you stand on these promises and you start to take some risks like that, what happens is you'll start to have experiences. And then you don't just have promises from the Bible to stand on. You have experiences of what God did last time to stand on. And the devil can only use what you give him. He can only use what you give him. And, and Paul sort of warns the Corinthians about this. He's like, guys, you, just, you, know, you don't have to be scared of him and walk around, like, oh, but you also have to be careful to close doors to the enemy. Right. And, and uh, 2 Corinthians 2 says, uh, Paul's talking about forgiveness. And he's like, the way he's wording it is he's like begging the Corinthians, would you please? Just forgive people, you know? That's how I feel about when I talk to my kids sometimes, you know? Would you just please, like, leave your sister alone? Forgive her for pulling on your hair or scratching you or whatever. And, and Paul's begging them. Please, would you forgive your brother or sister? Why? So that we would not be outwitted by Satan. Whoa! For we're not ignorant of his designs or schemes, some translations say. Paul's warning them, if you give him unforgiveness, he'll take it. If you give him bitterness, he will take it. So be so careful when people hurt you, because what are you doing? You're potentially opening a door to the enemy in your life. And what do we want to do? We want to close all doors. We want to not give him anything, because he'll take what we give him. So we want to close doors by obeying God. So I wanna be holy, not because I can prop myself up on it and look better than the person next to me. I wanna be holy because I wanna close the door to the enemy. I wanna be holy because I wanna obey God because I wanna be close to him. We want humility in our lives. We wanna be people of humble people. Why? Because I wanna close the door to the enemy. I wanna be closer to God. I wanna surrender because I wanna be closer to God. I wanna forgive people, not because they deserve it. Oh, but I didn't deserve it either. I wanna forgive people because I wanna be closer to God. I wanna close the door to the enemy. I want to show up to church because I want to be corrected because I want to be in in community. I want to be around people who keep me accountable. Oh, it's so good to be a part of a church like that. So good to be in community like that. People are like, hey man, don't talk like that. Hey, don't, don't say stuff like that. Or, you know, correction, oh, so good. I don't want church just to be a place that, oh, it makes me feel good and go on with my life and I'm comfortable and, you know, maybe I'll meet. A future spouse there. You know, like so many people treat church like that. It's like, we, we can't, say, hey, please meet your future spouse here for the love of God. We got mini donuts in the parking lot. You hang out, you buy somebody mini donuts. You never know what could happen. Okay. We can get you married by February, love month. Okay. Um, But, but please don't get me, please don't get me wrong here. I'm, I met my spouse here. This is a great place. Okay. Beautiful. People can hide stuff online that they can't hide in church. Thirteen-year-old profile picture. You know what I mean? Okay, sorry. Not, thir- not that they were thirteen-year-olds. It was th- from thirteen years ago when they. Any- sorry. Dear God, be with me. Get me on track. Oh. oh. Okay, if you live a life with an open hand towards God, you don't even have to focus on closing all the doors to the enemy. You focus on God, you're gonna naturally close doors. You focus on his word. You get around people that correct you, that love you. You fix your eyes on Jesus. What's the Bible say? The author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author. He, he, He got a plan from the beginning, but as we mess up, as we make a mess, what's he do? Perfecter. As you speak lies, perfecter. Have you ever seen a, a home being built? Maybe you did a reno or, or you built a home and you saw it before the finishing carpenters came in? Anybody a finishing carpenter in here? No finishing carpenters. Oh, one in the back. You do good work, my friend. Because that, you know what I'm talking about. The house, when you get there, house looks like a mess still. So ugly, like so nasty. But you come in, and you get your little miter saw and you know how all the stuff works and you know how to read a tape measure, unlike me. And, and you figure all that stuff out. And when you're done, it's beautiful. You've, you've covered up, you've taken care of all the issues and all the messy things, that, that, that nastiness of the house. And that's what fixing our eyes on Jesus does. As, as we don't have to go around like the finishing carpenter and try and fix everything, Jesus is the finishing carpenter in our life. And so he's not just the author, He's also the finisher, the perfecter. And he comes in and he makes us look so much better than we could on our own. Right. The, I was late for the first song because uh, I was getting in trouble for how long I preached in the first service. And uh, let's just say it's not going better in this one. It's actually going, it's actually going worse. So... So, when you are corrected, please listen to it. Okay. Learn from my mistakes. Okay. Okay. The devil is not God's opposite. Yes. I'm telling you facts about the devil this morning. He is not God's opposite. Can you just say that with me? One, two, three. The devil is not God's opposite. He's not equal to God, he's far inferior. And I think there's a dysfunction in how we think about spiritual warfare. And the dysfunction is this. We think about it like the Battle of Alberta. Okay? So on one side of the Battle of Alberta, you have the Oilers. And they're, they're so holy, right, Josh Kron? They're so holy. And, and they're just so wonderful. They're put together a team full of professionals. And a team full of, they have the best player in the world. Uh, and, and they had this, this wonderful team. But on the other side of that, you have the enemy, the Calgary Flames, Josh. The Calgary Flames. I, I, I can't write this. Um, and so you have the Flames on the other side. And the Flames, we all know, they're, they're a little bit inferior. But they're also put together with professionals. They also have some really good players on that team. They also did that, the trade with the Florida guy. And, and like, they, they also, they, they're all, and so we think about spiritual warfare in this, in this way, where we know that one is definitely better, but they're both really good. And they both, even though we don't wanna admit it because we're Edmontonians, they're both really good and they fight and they get through and sometimes the enemy wins, but you know, we'll win most of the time and, and it's this fight back and forth and it's this big thing. That's not spiritual warfare. That's not how spirit, that's not how this works. The devil is not God's, not God's opposite, okay? He opposes God, but he's not God's opposite. He's God's creation. He's a created being with a beginning and an end, and his reign will end. And so this is not Edmonton Oilers versus Calgary Flames. This is Edmonton Oilers versus a wiener dog, okay? This, this tiny little wiener dog running around on ice, doesn't know how to skate, falling over. He's pathetic. Sorry if you love wiener dogs, but I don't know. It's just what came to mind this morning. That this isn't equal and opposite in spiritual warfare. There is someone that, yes, there is an opposer, but he's pathetic compared to the God that we serve and the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. And what's Revelations 20:10 say? The devil, who deceived them. Now there's, Revelations is so hard to read. Anybody like, it's, anybody who says they know, oh, I know how to read Revelation. Well, sorry, but you're a liar. It's really hard. Um, uh, but fun fact, in November, we have one of the top scholars in the world coming to preach at our church and do a weekend. Uh, it's gonna be amazing, a weekend teaching. And he's one of the top scholars on Revelation in the world, but he's gonna teach us all kinds of stuff. Great scholar wrote commentaries. Anyways, really excited for it. Okay, Revelation twenty ten, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the pro- false prophet had been thro- uh, thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So that is the end for the enemy. And some scholars say that's actually currently happening now as well. That you have to understand the power and the authority that we have. This is not equal and opposite. This is this pathetic little wiener dog running around on ice in the, in the presence of professionals, in the presence of people who are powerful, who know what they're doing. And we already know how the story ends. Okay, it's not Airbud or whatever the hockey version of Airbud was. This, this this dog will not come through. The devil opposes God, but he is not opposite to God. And so what happens as we think this way, why this is a dysfunctional way to think is because we start to, because the devil's in the spiritual realm just like God, we start to give him qualities of God that he doesn't deserve to have. So God is omnipresent. The devil is not omnipresent. So when you start to talk about, oh, the devil did this or that to me, it's kind of an arrogant statement. He can only be in one place at once. God can be everywhere all at once. And I know what you're saying behind that. I'm just trying to you know, mess with your thinking this morning that God is omnipresent. The presence of God is where it's not just in this building, though it is thick in this building. It's everywhere you go. You take it with you as someone who has the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. And the devil, yeah, he has his demons. They do his will. But they're, they're even more weak and pathetic than the little wiener dog on ice. They're like little hamsters or something. Um, Oh, I just want to tell so many stories this morning. My brother killed my hamster and I have to tell someone about it uh, when I was young. And I just need confession. But that is for a different message. They're weak and pathetic and we possess all the power to defeat them. All the power to defeat them. I would say this, even the weakest of Christians are more powerful than the devil. So you might think you're weak. You are strong in comparison to our our opposite. It's never equal and opposite in spiritual warfare. We always have a massive upper hand. We're not against our spiritual equivalent. You've got to know the power that you have. And then the devil, the devil, he gets way more credit than he deserves. All evil comes from him, but we can stop him. The devil's goal is to spread death, Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the father of lies. We're gonna talk all about that next weekend. But we have so much power to stop this enemy. And what will happen is we'll look silly because we'll be giving the devil credit for stuff that we did. And so you make him look more powerful, right? How silly would it be to open up your bank account, look at it on your phone and say, the devil's in this bank account. How dare the devil take all my money from me? How silly would it be for for you to blame the devil for your debt? No, you just need the fruit of the spirit, self-control. You need a budget. You have the power within you. You just got to tap into it. That overspending demon got a hold of me. I'm going to go to prayer after service. Stop giving the devil credit for your stupidity. Whatever it might be. (laughs) Don't build him up that way. Or this is another silly thing we do. we We give the devil credit for coincidence oh, there's like a devil in my house. And, may, and sometimes there is, sometimes there is. Sometimes there's, uh, you know, there's, there's spiritual things that happen in houses. But again, if we get obsessed, if we go on the, on the wrong side of this, as C.S. Lewis warned, right? What happens is we're giving the devil credit for an old house. Your house creaks because it's old. So like something, you maybe just buy a new house, okay? The devil will stop attacking you. Or or maybe you just need a new car. Or maybe you just need to take care, be a good steward of your car, right? We'll we'll say, oh, I was on my way to somewhere and the devil, the devil broke down my car because he knew, he knew what I was up to. Well, you haven't changed oil in six years. Like, give me a break. Stop (laughs) giving the devil credit. You're, You're giving him more credit than he deserves. You're building him up more than he deserves. It's just, don't do that. It's just silly. We're building a theology based on our own stupidity. Romans 5.3, it says, rejoice in our sufferings. It'll produce endurance. Makes us better people when we suffer. Or James 1.2, consider it a pure joy when you face trials of many kind. Let God grow us, make us bigger people. Don't give the devil credit for it. Give God credit for it when he helps you through it. Yeah. So I would just say as a wise thing to do, be very slow to give the devil credit. Obviously he does stuff. Like we gotta, that we, obviously he messes with people. There are very real things that happen. But if we're not careful, what are we doing? We're building up this big theology about the devil and how powerful he is and what he can do in our lives. When really he just doesn't have that much power. And I would say, parents, just be careful of how, how you talk about this stuff because little ears are listening and they're building their own theology about it. And and you just need tails in their life, man. Like, Get some tails, build their theology that way, um, not in in this way. And even people who are around new believers, we have such an important responsibility to help build a proper theology about the devil, not give him more credit than he deserves. And so last last fact this morning, how did I get this behind? It's because I keep stopping and going, how did I get this behind? Okay, the last thing this morning is the devil has a rebellious spirit. So if you want to know how he works, watch yourself when you start to have a rebellious spirit. Be careful about how you think about authority, how you think about your mom, your dad, even if they're they're not believers, your boss. You start to get that into you. You start to, all of a sudden, you're going to be questioning all these leaders. I can think of another person who was questioning leaders. Right? Rebellious spirit. What did he do at the fall? He goes to Eve, did, did God really say that? I don't know, think you might know better. Look at how good it looks. Come on, did God really say that? He works by having you question God through your experience. Well, God says this, but you're feeling this way. I don't know, did God really say that? Not, because it doesn't line up with your feelings. That, you know, the Bible's written a long time ago. Maybe there was just some, misinterpretations in it. Oh, man, oh. He gets you to rebel against God. He gets you to rebel against authority. How does he do that? Let's come back to the start of the message. He wants to attack your faith. He wants you to have a lack of faith. All sin is rooted in lack of faith. Lack of faith is, lack of faith in God that he'll supply your needs. A lack of faith that God really will do what he says he will do. And that's the way he continues to work today. Did God really say that? Will, will God actually do what he says he'll do? I don't, he didn't do it for this person. He didn't do it for that person. Did God really say that? You don't really believe that, do you? Just love how um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Oh man, open your, uh, sometimes people are like, I'm going through a dry season. Stop looking at Psalms to be like inspired for your day. Like, oh yes, God. Um, go to, go somewhere and look for correction. Open your Bible and, and look for the, the correction. Ask the Holy Spirit, Cur- would you correct me in my wrong thinking? Would you, would you correct me in, in my, in my ways that I've wandered away from you, just open this thing and look for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And when Paul says the man of God like that, what he means is one who must provide spiritual leadership for others, that we would be equipped. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, I'm not a leader. We all provide spiritual leadership to the people around us. And so whether you might be the only Christian at your workplace, you might be the only Christian in your family, you might just be, you know, you might be just wandering around and, and, you know, you're just the only person who's gonna provide spiritual leadership in those moments. And Paul's saying the Bible has everything for you. That all scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God. God's words were given through men, overseen by the Holy Spirit, and these things were written without error. In fact, some scholars even go as far as to say that the Holy Spirit was in control of the author's body as they wrote the scriptures. Wow. But the enemy will try and slander God to you. He'll sow unbelief. And we'll start to rely on things that we shouldn't rely on. But it's the scripture and the presence of God that we must rely on in the ways that we fight the enemy. I just want to give you... Quickly, three, minute, three, three things, three ways to fight him as we wrap up this message. Bible says he's the father of lies, so we need to walk in truth. Truth produces freedom. So what do you need? Community. Community is a great power to fight the devil. Why? Because we will speak bad about ourselves, but what we don't see is what everybody else sees. We think everybody else is thinking negative about, about us. Everything, everybody else thinks I'm, you know, this and that, and that. But often, all the other people are thinking so highly of us. You need to get into some community with some people that can encourage you, but also correct you. First Peter 5, 9 says, resist him. How? Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same types of suffering. So get two, three, four people around you that love you. They don't have to be like the spiritual person that's built themselves up and I'm a spiritual authority. Now you just need some community around you that love you and help you come closer to Jesus. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other in community. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Lindsay, wherever you are, you better get up here or I'm going to preach until one o'clock. Okay, there you are. Thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate you. Um, sorry, Lindsay, I don't know. You're the best. You're doing a great job. Um, Lindsay literally played until she passed out at youth camp. Um, It was amazing. Um, Sorry, Lindsay, to bring that up right now. I don't know. Um, That's another story for Lindsay to tell people, but she's amazing. No, she doesn't want to tell people. My bad. Okay. (laughs) No one tell the story. Okay. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Look at that. It's, it's literally, I don't need an answer from the other person. I don't need the other person to have it, it all figured out. Conf- confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, and you'll you'll be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is something I've always respected and really liked about the Catholic faith, is that they have confession figured out beautifully. That there is a clear place to go where someone can just confess, and it's through the confession And the prayer that they they'll be healed. Wow! You need to talk to somebody. Talk to somebody that you trust. Wow! So powerful. I I've just found as as the years go by, it's like wow. I almost like it's 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 brilliant how in Catholicism there's just a a form place of confession. Find a place where you can confess, where you can talk to trusted people. Talk to somebody. How often are we praying over each other? So get in community. Fight the devil by getting in community. Another one, quiet prayer. Look at the pattern of Jesus' life. He does miracles. And what does he do? Goes to a quiet place to pray. pray. Luke 5, 16, quickly. Cleanses a leper. And what? Jesus withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. Mark 3. He, pour, uh, he performs a miracle on a hand. And then what happens after he, he does the miracle on the hand? Jesus withdrew with his disciples to a lake. Get yourself around a lake, you know? Go, go and be quiet, connect with God again. Mark 6, 46, Jesus walks on water, does this incredible miracle. What's he do? After leaving them, he went on, up on a mountainside to pray. This is the pattern of Jesus' life. Something big happens, he withdraws right away, he goes and connects with the Father. If we're gonna fight the enemy, if we're gonna fight this noisy world, we're going to have to quiet ourselves. We need silence and we need solitude. What are those things? Silence is around us. You need a quiet place around us. And I know parents, it's hard. I got kids at home too. You get like 90 seconds of silence in your life. I get it, but it is is so worth the silence. It's so much better than watching the everybody bakes shows or whatever, like Netflix, unwinding thing. Get a a point in your life, in your day, always where you can get silence, quiet around you, then solitude, quiet within you. And that's the place we often miss it is we get silence around us and we're like, okay, what do I do now? Well, you're still going crazy on the inside. You're still thinking of all these things. You still have anxiety. You're still thinking about what I gotta do tomorrow and my list and my plan and everything. Just take time to have some quiet prayer. Silence around you, solitude within you. God, I just wanna reconnect with you. It's incredible what a moment in the presence of God will do. How we can be stressed about all this stuff and then all of a sudden, in a moment of the presence, God can do something incredible. Block out this noisy world. Okay, you need community, you need quiet prayer, fight the enemy, and you need the scripture. You need the word of God. And and, and then you might be thinking, well I, I try to read it and it just, it doesn't do anything for me, it doesn't come alive for me. Okay, break it down. Get it in smaller, bite-sized things. we got got 1,000 pages here. There's a lot. Get some small ones. Focus two months on on just one one line. Get it in your head so you can always recite it. Get that line in your head, and you can move on to the next one. You do two months. After a year, you have six verses memorized, powerful, ready to go. Most people have one. John 3, 16, for God will, love the world, yay. Okay, um, but this is the model from Jesus. Matthew chapter four. By the way, I'm not making fun of people. I have a struggle to um, memorize scripture. And this is, I'm just giving you what I do. I just take time and focus on one. (laughs) Till it's in me. And then it can pour out of me. Okay. Matthew chapter four. Love this story. Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. By the way, don't put yourself in situations where you need to be tempted by the devil. That was for Jesus, for this verse, not for you. Okay. Um. He was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And look at the Bible, says, the tempter came, calls the enemy, the tempter. The tempter came and he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, watch how he answers. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus has an opportunity to write some new scripture here. Jesus has an opportunity to talk about, oh, I'm gonna say this to the devil. I'm just gonna say something from my heart. I'm just gonna get him and say, devil, you suck. Yeah, take that. What's he do instead? He quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. He doesn't say anything from himself. He just quotes the Bible. And he's being attacked, he's being tempted by the devil in this moment. Then the devil uh, took him to the holy city and sent him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written. And here's what the devil do. He twists scripture. He says, he'll command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they'll bear you up and lest you strike your foot against the stone. Psalm 91, he's, he's quoting. And Jesus said to him, look at another opportunity. He said to say his own words, say, oh, devil, you did this, that, you're terrible and whatever. What does he do instead? Deuteronomy 6:16. He just quotes the Bible again. Again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him the kings of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things will uh, I'll give to you if you fall down and you worship me. And then Jesus said to him, are you an idiot? I would never do that. I'm God. No, he says, Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it's written. He's going back to Deuteronomy. He doesn't have to come up with his own stuff. He gets the word in his heart and he he spits it at the devil. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. So powerful. Jesus never used his own words. He just quotes scripture that's already written. Scripture that's written for us. Scripture that we can get in our heart and that we can fight the enemy with. We're so much more powerful than him. And Jesus didn't do some big, you know, I don't know, you think about Jesus like a, like a Jedi. He didn't have to do some big, the force thing to get the devil away from him and oh, get him away and do all the force. No, he just read scripture, the same scripture that you and I can read. When we feel attacked, we have a defense. Let's go back to the start. We just gotta get the word in our heart and let it grow our faith. Ephesians 2, chapter eight. If you would just read this this week. it's by grace, you've been saved through what? There you go. Let's say it again, through, there you go. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Wow, just keep that faith. Just build that faith. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. The enemy will always try to attack your faith. What's the most important thing we build up, we strengthen, our faith. Get, get, get in a community at church that's not just comfortable for you, that's not just your buddies. Get in a community that is allowed to correct you, allowed to build you up, allowed to help you on the right path, not just somebody to just be a buddy. Allow people to be your community in this way. More than comfort, because there's someone who wants to destroy your faith, but you can overcome him. And I just, I wanna say this one last thing is that the, the, the Bible says, Deuteronomy, uh, not to test it, uh, not to test God in this, in, 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 you know, testing him in physical hurts and whatever. But it does say we can test him in tithing. And you're like, oh, pastor, talking about tithing again. Come on, man, give it a break. But it's just a practical example of how my wife and I have built our faith. That every once in a while, we'll, we'll just be like, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna give to that extra thing. Yeah, we're gonna put some money into the legacy fund. Yeah, we're gonna test God. Yeah, we were gonna use this money for something else, but we're gonna test God in this, and what does he do? Boom, shows us how good he is, builds our faith. It's amazing. You gotta put yourself in positions where God has to do something, and he will. Pray for people. Believe that when you pray, they'll be healed. Sometimes we get discouraged because someone doesn't get healed in a moment. Well, that's called a miracle. You're praying, so there's, there's differences. You can pray for a miracle that you want to have happen in a moment, but you can also pray for a healing. And healing is a process, something that God can be a part of too. And sometimes we're just like, I want a miracle now. I want God to prove himself now. And God's like, I'm not doing that right now. Sorry. Maybe because of our intentions. We, we don't know what God's up to. But you can just, I, I think sometimes we get discouraged because, oh, God didn't do a miracle right now. God's trying to work through a healing as well. Put yourself in situations, just keep putting that faith out there where you test God and and, and God will just show himself, where you can build your faith and God will show himself so good. God, thank you for your people here today. Thank you for their, their faithfulness to you and thank you that we have all the power to defeat the enemy. God, I pray that today you'd reveal to us where we have had a lack of faith. Actually just feeling like there's some people that you know you've given into this idea of rebellion a little bit. You just don't trust people. And today, you need to ask God for forgiveness, for You allowing yourself to let the enemy work in your life through rebellion. We know that somebody, hmm, is feeling like somebody got hurt. There's still unforgiveness. And because of that unforgiveness, it's led to rebellion. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, guide us. Come and comfort us. And we, we, we just ask that you help remove this from our lives, whoever that may be. But I just believe right now we just need to, but some of us have just, there's just no faith. Our walk with God has become, it actually has gotten to a side where it's all about the community. And there's not a there's not moments to build faith. There isn't even faith there because there hasn't been the experience of seeing God do miracles, seeing God do what he says he's gonna do in his word. And, And so there hasn't been much faith. If that's you, let's just take a moment, just ask God, ask God for forgiveness or ask God to reveal what's going on right now. Ask the Holy Spirit to just speak to you. I'll just give you a minute right now with God. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that a moment in your presence can correct strongholds, can correct the wrong way we've been thinking, can correct something that's been in our heart for a long time. I just thank you that you break down those strongholds and we just welcome your Holy Spirit into our lives we wanna know you, we wanna get close to you, and we know that as we obey, as we fix our eyes on you, we'll close doors to how the enemy's trying to work in our lives. Thank you, God. I wanna pray for anyone who you know you've been, you've been far from God. You haven't been, uh, you haven't been following him. You, that you do believe in God, but you have maybe a lot of questions, Maybe you just, you just feel still lost. I just want you to know, God sent his son Jesus to die for you, and it's by your act of faith that you get to accept his grace for your life. It's wonderful, and it, but it does take steps of faith. And today, I'm just gonna give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of faith that God sent his son to pay for your sins, to cover you, And it says in his word, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So that's what we're gonna pray for today. I'm gonna give you an opportunity with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You know what? I'm gonna keep my eyes closed even. Just shoot up your hand right now. One, two, three, if you're gonna pray with me. Awesome. I just feel there's just, God's just moving. God's doing something. Just keep your hand up. If you didn't put your hand up yet and you, you wanna pray this prayer with me, just put your hand up right now. And all across the room, let's keep our heads bowed, our eyes closed. And let's, as believers, let's pray this prayer with these people with their hands up. And you, with, if you got your hand up right now, just pray with me. You're making such an important decision and you just gotta repeat after me. And here we go in three, two, one. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth living a perfect life, and dying on the cross to pay for my sin. Today I ask that you come into my heart. From now on, I live for you. I believe that you are Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for everybody who prayed that prayer today. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at CelebrationEmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.